The Unfiltered by Jade. Jade. Welcome to The Unfiltered by Jade, where we educate, empower, and entertain. Feel free to like, share, subscribe, download, donate, and make everybody know who this. Beats by RB Records. Shopping assistance, your style, your budget. Our services include online and local shopping for individuals and businesses, personal shopping, purchasing of company and office supplies, importing and exporting small packages across Jamaica and worldwide, and helping you find unique gifts and items for all events and occasions. Contact us at 876-919-5195 or shoppingassistance2015 at gmail.com. Shopping Assistance, your style, your budget. Welcome back to The Unfiltered by Jade. Today we have with us here Dr. Paula C. Perez, and she's an educator, a speaker, a leader, an author, and a pastor's wife, and I'm sure she has many other things under her belt. Um, today we're going to be speaking about a topic that she ha- is dear to her heart, because she has written a book about it. Um, but the topic today is going to be delayed but not denied. So we're speaking about someone who was a virgin for 49 years and this is going to be interesting so <laughs> um i'm gonna i'm gonna allow her to come in and we're gonna jump into the conversation because i'm sure many of you want to hear what she has to say so hi dr paulo hi jade thank you so much for having me on your podcast this is exciting it is exciting yes it is <laughs> glad to be here girl yes Man, so it's interesting because um, a couple of years ago, I think two years ago, I had someone on the podcast in her 40s talking about me a virgin. Well, in her late 30s. So now it'll be interesting to have somebody that's older than her. Oh, yes. Girl. That was a virgin. And hear what people have to say, because first when people heard that, they were like, oh, my God, that cannot be true. And she was in her late 30s. So now we're going to hear that it can be true because persons have been older and still been virgins before they got married. Much older. Girl, <laughs> 49. Did you all hear what I said? <laughs> 49 years old. Yes, Lord. <laughs> we're going to go into it. Oh, we yeah. want to know. I want you to tell us. Tell us about your journey and your experiences leading up to making this decision. I sure will. Well, again, I'm glad to be here and hello to your listening audience. My name is Dr. Paula C. Perez. And one of the factors that we did not include is I'm also a preacher's kid. So I had the blessing of growing up in a household where our life was truly based on biblical principles. And my parents thank God they're still alive. Amazing people. In fact, my dad is still pastoring. Nice. But in our family, they took the time 
to truly talk with us about every topic. When we were growing up, the family dinner table was really sacred ground. We were not allowed to miss dinner time because my parents worked off shifts. So that was really the only time that they could pour into us. So at a very young age, I was taught Bible verses. I was taught biblical principles. At the age of 12, my mother gave me the sex talk. My mom is a nurse. So she came equipped with diagrams and everything. Oh, man. However, she was also pregnant at the time with my youngest sibling. So I believe that's one reason why she thought, okay, let's get, let's do this. So at that age, my mom, I remember the day. I remember where I was. I remember what she was saying to me. And the gist of it was, girl, sex is fabulous. And you know why it's so good? Because God invented it. Right. However, God created it to live within the boundaries of marriage. Right. So we'd like you to wait until you get married to have sex. So that was my introduction. Then at the age of 16, I attended a conference with my parents. And the speaker that was there challenged all of the fathers to be very instrumental in the lives of their children as they chose their future mates. So on that day, I literally signed a contract that said that I would remain celibate until marriage and that I would allow my father to be involved in the choice of my future spouse. That was 16. Now, I really thought that my life would mirror the life of my parents. My parents went to school. And then shortly after my, in fact, my mother didn't even graduate. She eloped four months before she graduated. So Mm. I just assumed that my path would be very similar. Right. That was not the case. So I got out of school, got out of college, began to work and experienced a lot of different feelings. I was certainly dating during that time. My first love broke my heart. Um, I had a lot of problems getting over that hurt. And you know, your first love is traumatic. You know, it's Mm -hmm. larger than life. So I'm Mm -hmm. sure it wasn't as bad as I felt like it was, but oh God, I suffered. (laughs) I suffered. (laughs) But then I got over him. And while in college, I remember just being so naive. My first encounter with the guy, the Lord truly got me out of the situation. I was over a classmate's apartment. And initially, we were there with a group of people. Then one by one, everyone left. And we were watching TV. Then he started kissing my neck. And he started kissing me on my earlobe, that type of thing. And as I was getting into it, Uh he literally jumped up and said, Paula, you got to go. That's right. You got to go, Paula. And I was so naive. I had no clue what was going on and why he reacted that way. So I left 
And it wasn't for years later that I discovered, oh my gosh, he was aroused. He was trying to protect me. That was Mm. nothing but God. Nothing but God. Nothing but God. So I was at a secular college when that event happened. At first, I thought I wanted to be an engineer. Uh I attended RPI. And during the midst of that, I realized that wasn't for me. I was going to go to my first love which is teaching. I love education and love teaching children. So I transferred schools. And at that time, I made the decision to go to a Christian college because one of the other things I encountered with my sociology teacher is that they were an atheist. And Mm. they had convinced a number of my peers that there was no God. And I was frustrated by that. Even though I knew I wasn't living all that I should be, I knew for a fact there was a God. I had seen him work so many ways. My father dropped dead in the pulpit and the Lord brought him back to life. I had a sister that was um, very, very ill and they thought that she was going to die and the Lord healed. So I know what God can do. I've seen the evidence of his working. Right. And I had an epiphany that, you know what? I need to really tune into Jesus for myself. I accepted Christ at the age of 12, but you know, as children, as your understanding grows, you need to make a rededication. So I dedicated my life back to Christ and said, I was going to not only commit myself to Christ, but I was going to do it his way. And for me, that meant no wed, no bed. Right. So I committed to go on that journey. And as I was growing, one of the things that started happening is that people younger than me started getting married. I remember when one of my younger siblings got married, having the feeling, wait, wait, Lord, why? Uh Why not me? When is it going to be my turn? Uh And after that event, it was almost as if I became obsessed with finding a man. In fact, had a reputation from many of the older women that that was the case. And I tried to attract different guys. I I got into very stupid situations. One gentleman talked me out of $5,000. Another one that I actually got engaged to uh, Mm. convinced me to buy my own engagement ring. Jesus. Saying Uh -uh. that he he was going to pay the bills. No. But girl, I did a lot of stupid stuff. And then the Lord just smacked me. And basically said, wait a minute, what are you doing? Am Mm -hmm. I not enough? Mm -hmm. I had made the pursuit of a husband my God. That took priority over everything. Right. And I had this moment where I really felt like the Lord was saying, wait a minute, I'm not first in your life. The Bible says in Psalms 37 and 4, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. And it wasn't until I reached that point that the Lord, first of all, got me to the point where I said, okay, I thought I was going to be married. And by this time I was in my mid thirties, 
but maybe it's not what he desires for my life. So Lord, I'm sold out for you. So I poured myself into developing who I was as a person. Uh I made Jesus first in my life. I then started pouring into others, making meaningful, meaningful connections with other people. And I surrounded myself with like-minded individuals. I had other friends that were also either celibate, you know, they may have had children, but were in a point in their walk with the Lord that they were not going to do it anymore till they got married. Or there were other virgins like me. Right. And that accountability group was so instrumental. I remember doing a, a book study with them on the five love languages. Right. And it was so great to be able to practice on one another. And I taught the young people that it was vitally important that, first of all, we know who we are. We know whose we are. And we put value on that. Because if you really love yourself, if you value who you are, you just won't take certain things. I remember being in a relationship with a guy that um, at one time raised his hand to strike me. He, I had received uh-uh. the phone call and he thought it was a guy and was very jealous. And I lost it. I was like, who do you, you think crazy. you're doing? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you must have lost your mind. And that was it. So I say to those of you out there that might be in a domestic situation, domestic violence situation, you are better than that. Let it go. Your life is more valuable than whatever guy, whatever girl, because believe me, girls can be violent as well. Oh, believe me. Mm -hmm. I know, I know men that have dealt with domestic violence. So we need to value who we are and we treat, we teach people how to treat us. True. So do not allow that to happen and not, don't excuse it. Don't let it happen one time. (laughs) Nope. In the process, uh-uh, no, it's over. I'm yeah. out. So thank God I did that. Very much uh, appreciative that the Lord spared me from that type of trauma and that type of pain. But on my journey, I knew it was important that I love God, loved others, loved myself, and that any broken spaces needed to be made whole before I could get into a marriage relationship. True. I love that. Um, Dr. Paula, even, I know you saved yourself and you put yourself in ministry and learning about yourself, developing yourself, but you still had the feelings of wanting to have sex. Well, you know what? No, I'm asking that question because a lot yeah. of times people think that Christians don't have that feeling because we're putting ourselves so much in ministry or in church or developing ourselves or focusing on ourselves because we are doing that. We don't have those urges anymore. One of the things that I often tell young people or older ones as well, we really need to filter what we take in to our senses. I remember mm-hmm. I, there was a period of time when I worked third shift. So I came home. I only lived five minutes from my job. 
came home and turned on the television and something flashed on the screen that I should not have seen. Someone mm. was having intercourse on a rooftop mm. and I couldn't turn the TV quick enough. In that few seconds, I mean, goodness, that was 50 years ago, 40 years ago, whatever. And I still remember that scene, which mm. really drove home to me the importance of filtering what I looked at. So I don't do R-rated movies. I certainly don't do X-rated movies. Ah! There's some PG-13 <laughs> movies that I won't watch because of the image nature, right? That are correct, that are there. But the other thing that the Lord really got me with was the music I was listening to. Mm. I love music, love R&B, and I was reading my Word, reading Philippians four, eight, and nine. And the Lord just brought to me a reel of the music lyrics that I was listening to. And I realized so many of them were about adulterous relationships. Oh, okay. You know, saving all my love for you, me and Mrs. Jones, you know, all mm, of these types yeah. of songs, mm -hmm. they get in your spirit and they will start to control your behavior. So mm -hmm. I had to stop. Okay. I still love and enjoy music, but there's certain things I would not listen to and I would not allow. So really use the word of God as a filter. Now, of course, we are human. Our bodies were designed to respond to sexual situations, but I believe the Holy Spirit is real. And if our desire is to control that area, because remember, one of the fruit of the spirit it's is self-control. Amen. Yes, so nothing is impossible with Christ. In my own power, could I do it? No way. But because Jesus was in my life, I was able to turn that aspect of my body over to the Lord. And you can't miss what you haven't had. So True. because I had not had any sexual experiences, you know, thank God I wasn't molested. Thank God I did not have to experience my virginity taken by force. Thank God I was spared from that. But even those that have experienced that type of trauma, God is still able to keep you. My... my paternal grandmother had my father as a result of rape. That was her first child. She was 15 years old when she was raped, had my father at the age of 16. But even with that, she was at first sexually active because she thought that she was in love with another person. Okay. That person left her at an altar. And believe it or not, that happened to her twice. My God. She then found Christ and made the decision. I'm not letting another man touch me until That's there's right. a ring on my finger and we say I do. That's right. And the Lord was able to keep her. So even if you have experienced your virginity taken by force or by choice, once you make up your mind to do it God's way, he will empower you to do it. Awesome. Um, 
So, I mean, no, you're married, which is yes. good. So in, in terms of um, even music, let's talk about the music that you were listening to before you stopped. So yes. after marriage, did that change for you or you still decided not to kind of listen to certain things because you didn't want it to influence there, there's still certain there's still certain things that I won't listen to. Okay. However, now I have the outlet. You know, I, that's I right. have that freedom with my husband. Right. And that's something I've often shared with women when I've done women's retreat. I know friends that for so many years said, No, you can't touch me. No, I can't do this. When they got married, they couldn't turn it on. <laughs> they they were frozen in their sexuality. They didn't right. have the freedom to enjoy their spouse. Right. We we talk about that type of thing and the importance and there's no shame when we do it God's way. True. You know, so he invented it. God knew exactly what he was doing. He put all those nerve endings in the right spot. <laughs> Right. So that we can truly enjoy the fullness of a sexual relationship with our spouses. Yeah. I like that. Um, how have societal expectations and pressures regarding sex influence your decision to remain a virgin? Well, when I thought about what was happening, when I grew up, many of my relatives did have children out of wedlock. Okay. And I think because I often saw the fallout of that decision to have sex at the time, that was another factor that enabled me to say, nope, not for me. I'm, mm -hmm. I'm going to wait till I got married. And what I mean by that is as an educator, at first I was a classroom teacher but then I became an administrator. And as a principal, I often had to deal with the children from single parent homes. And there is so much baggage that they carried because they didn't have mom in the house or they didn't have dad in the house. And it really impacted their development. There is a study that talks about Adverse Childhood Experiences, ACEs. And one of the factors is being in a single household, you know, one of the, the parents not being there, uh -huh. or the, the being in an economically disadvantaged situation where you're not quite sure if the lights are going to stay on next month, or you're not sure if you're going to be able to eat three meals that day because things are tough. So seeing the repercussions of those decisions on the children, and I was at the elementary level, it really touched me. It really, I felt for those children, those that either suffered because their parents divorced. And let me say, it doesn't matter how old you are, divorce is hard. Yes. And there is a ripple effect for the entire family. And the children, even if they are adults with children of their own, it still impacts them. And True. it does because it was never meant to be. Thank God for God's grace. He allows things to happen. 
He still loves us. However, we still have to deal with the repercussions of our decisions. So having witnessed so many of my family members, so many friends that had children at a wedlock, I knew I didn't want that for myself. So for me, society told me what I didn't want to have. Yes, a lot of people were doing it. A lot of people were having intercourse. A lot of people, as my mother would say, were screwing around. Uh But that was not for me because my desire was to please God more than anything else. Yes. Yes. Has your, how, how has your emotional and psychological state evolved as a result of your decision? It sure has. I think because my motivation at first was about avoiding things and not so much about pleasing the Lord, that was probably the biggest switch. Okay. And why are you doing what you're doing? So at first it was because I don't want to get pregnant, because I don't want to disappoint my parents. Mm -hmm. I don't want to mess up my future. Right. But once I switched it to because I want to please my heavenly father, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that was a major paradigm shift. Okay. That enabled me to change my mind. And I wrote a book entitled Boundaries. And one of the boundaries that I talk about is the importance of renewing our mind. Hmm. And we know the ways of the world are just in us. We we are soaked in the soup of sin. Yes. Yes, we are. <laughs> so we have got to constantly wash our mind so that it aligns with the things of Christ. So for me, I think those were the biggest issues in terms of the change that happened for me emotionally, psychologically, and spiritually. Yes, yes, I can see with that. Has your perspective on sex and relationship changed over the years? And if so, how? Once I got married... Mm -hmm. Yes, yes, yes. (laughs) You you have got to read my book. (laughs) When I wrote a memoir entitled The 49-Year-Old Virgin, Delayed, Not Denied, Mm -hmm. I end the story with my wedding night. And believe me, it's juicy. I remember (laughs) my, my first ending, and believe it or not, it was my mom. My first ending... My mother's like, no, you can't stop there. People want to know, how was it? (laughs) So I went back to the drawing board. She gave me a little tip and I rewrote that thing. And I remember one of my girlfriends read it and she called me. She said, girl, I didn't know whether I needed a cigarette or. (laughs) (laughs) So get the book, get the book. It's juicy. So I talk about just how. Um, the sexual experience was for me. Mm-hmm. And I am so grateful for my husband. My husband was married before, had three children from his first marriage. Right. But I'm grateful that he is such a giver. He has, his love for me is such that his desire is that I'm happy. Right. That I feel good. 
And if we approach our spouses with their best interests, it's not about us, it's about pleasing them, we all win. Right, right. <laughs> we all win. So I don't have the experience like so many women I've spoken to that say, you know, I, I don't know what an orgasm is, or I don't know, you know, my husband does this thing, then turns over and is asleep. Thank God I have a very giving spouse that loves me the way God wants him to. Yes. And for, for, for persons who say, you know what, I have to have sex before because suppose um, after I wait, after the wedding night, he can't please me or I can't please him, what happens? Because we don't know what to do and none of us are satisfied. What would you say to that? That's an excuse. Yeah. Bottom line, that is just <laughs> an excuse. Again, God knows what he's doing. He designed us. Anything that you want to improve at, number one, it takes practice. You cannot expect to know your spouse's body and for them to know yours after the first time, the second time, the third time. And there is something that comes with the freedom of that love and trust relationship because we know we're in it for the long haul. Paul, mm -hmm. that it enables us to be open, to be free. There's no guilt associated. There's no embarrassment associated with it. And because of that freedom, you are able to learn. And one of the things we talk about, the importance of communication in relationships. Yes. But we need to talk about what we like and what we don't, don't like, like in the mm -hmm. bed as well. True. Have these discussions. Yes. Not only not only during that time, that intimate time, but even after, before. Correct. Let's talk about it. Correct. Mm -hmm. Because your husbands want to please you. Mm -hmm. It makes them feel good if they make you feel good. It's True. great for their egos. <laughs> True. So they, they are open to what you like, what you need, what you don't need. And not only that, there's books you can visit with, you know, gynecologists, specialists in this area. We can always learn. We should be students of our spouses. And again, you ask, what do I say to those that say, oh, you need to test it before you take it home? Mm -hmm. That Again, it's just a cop out. It's just an excuse to do what they want to do. Mm. I like that. What, what, what do you say to, to young persons who want to make the same decision as you did to wait until they get married, but they're scared because of one, the embarrassment with, with people, people, you know, people these days, Oh, you're waiting. Why are you waiting? The condemning, um, the shame that comes with it, the peer pressure. What do you say to them? I have a niece that I had this conversation with about six months ago. And she said, that she was still a virgin. She is 24. At the time, she was 23. Uh -huh. She's still a virgin, but when she's around her other relatives, some of her friends, she just acts like she isn't. Uh -huh. But I said to her, it's important. First of all, you are not alone. I have something called Yana. You are not alone, which... Let's the young people know there are other people out there in the world that are holding up the standard of Christ as well. 
And you cannot allow peer pressure to force you to do something contrary to your own personal beliefs and values. I talked to them about the importance of boundaries. I wrote a book that's entitled Boundaries, Saving Yourself Until Marriage. Uh And each letter is an acronym. B, believe in Jesus. Obey his principles. Understand his word. Because everything is not spelled out. It doesn't say, can I listen to Marvin Gaye? Can I listen to whoever the latest artist is? But there are principles by which we should live our life. Right. And then for the end, I said, you have to normalize no wed, no bed. You have to normalize doing things God's way. You've got to discipline yourself. We talked earlier about the importance of self-control. Right. A talks about accountability partners. Surround yourself with a group of friends that believes like you believe. Uh We already talked about renewing your mind. I is increase your impact on others. There's something about pouring into other individuals that is a satisfying space for you. Before I got married, I used to say I was mother to none, yet mother to all, because I invested so much time and energy into young people, not only in the classroom, but I would take the young girls that were at my church and do sleepovers with them. And we would have conversations around things like this. The E in boundary stands for embrace truth. We are living in a society where truth is no longer truth. It's whatever you feel. It's Mm -hmm. whatever you think. Mm -hmm. But there is truth. And God is truth. Jesus is truth. So, first of all, we've got to believe what he says. But we also have to look at the truth of the person that we are attracted to. Many times, all kinds of red flags are going off. But we won't embrace that truth and walk away. We think, oh, I can fix him. Oh, I'll, I'll make her better. Oh, I'm, I'm witnessing to them. So they're, they're going to get saved. It doesn't work like that. Embrace the truth and live in it. Yes. Embrace the truth and live in it. And then the final thing, the S, the importance of showing self-love. Mm. A lot of times we make bad decisions because we don't really love ourselves. True. I like how you put it and I like how you acronym, have the acronym for each um, so people can understand better what boundaries is. Because, I mean, we can always say in this society today, we can say, you know, we have boundaries. What boundaries to me is different to you. And I think that's also where a lot of blurred lines are because people say, yeah, but we have boundaries, but that's not my boundary. So be clear about and be intentional about your boundaries, what you want as a boundary. So even if you're dating someone, be clear to the persons about what your boundaries are. Don't just say, you know, I have boundaries. Explain to them what the boundaries are and what you expect them to do and what you expect yourself to do. Um, reciprocatory is, is important in terms of what are your boundaries. Okay, we're dating. These, these are my boundaries. What are yours? Because if it is that the other person have no boundaries and I have boundaries, it probably won't work. Amen to that. I totally, totally agree. And I encourage people to pick up the book. That book is entitled Boundaries, 
Saving Yourself Until Marriage. And you can get it on my website, drpaulacperez.com or at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, wherever books are sold. Awesome. Awesome. And um, if it is that person's want to speak to you in, you know, like to put on a podcast or to speak to you about anything, where is it that they can find you? Definitely. I'm uh, located on LinkedIn. I'm on Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, and everything. Um, my website is Dr. Paula C. Perez. So you can find me there. Um, my email address is info at Dr. Paula C. Perez. That's drpaulacperez.com. And I'd love for people to reach out to me. I'm definitely open for podcasts, for retreats, for workshops, whatever it is that you need. And this is a message we need to get out into the we world. We need to. Yes, we do. We've got to lift up the banner. Yes. Holiness is still right. It is still right. And it's still pleasing to God. And it's still honorable to please God. Amen. <laughs> yes. Thank you so much, Dr. Paula. Thank you. Yes, I truly appreciated it. And I'm sure our listeners are going to enjoy this conversation particularly. And um, the message that you left with, we, we still can hold ourselves accountable and we can still wait and save ourselves for marriage. It's important to do so. Despite what the world says, the world can say anything, but what does God say? Amen. That's the important thing. So thank you so much for sharing that. And thank you so much to our listeners on the Unfiltered by Jade and we'll be back next week, Tuesday. Thank you. Bam, bam,